0: USA Wealth Group, Inc. presents Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance and Pete Lance are your hosts for the next hour, talking retirement topics and having the retirement conversation for those at or nearing retirement. For more than 20 years, USA Wealth Group has been committed to helping families protect and grow their wealth. The conversation starts now. Welcome to Money Wise Radio.
1: Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Money Wise. My name is Ray Lance, and with me this morning is Pete Lance, both from USA Wealth Group, and also with us this morning is attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thank you for being here, and ladies and gentlemen, the mission of USA Wealth Group is to help you protect your family and protect your money, and that's what we like to talk about. Our show today is sort of a seasonal show in a way because we want to talk about charitable giving and charitable gifts and when can you deduct things and when can you not deduct things and gosh isn't it nice to be able to give something once in a while pete i give to a lot of charities every single year not huge amounts
2: yeah it certainly is i mean it makes you feel good and in some ways it can help out your um, you know with some charitable giving it can help out you as well well it can
1: and we're going to talk about how older folks uh, over a certain age, which is right now is 73, um, can give away money from their IRA account directly to a charity. You don't get a deduction, but you don't have to necessarily take your required minimum distribution. So maybe you don't pick up income uh, for that particular thing, um, but at the same time, you don't get a charitable deduction either. So it's a nice way to do things sometimes. So as we go to our radio show this morning we have a dog in the room who's sniffing around the plant and trying to decide whether he wants to eat leaves or
2: not and it's always entertaining isn't it pete i just said how good he's been lately and all of a sudden he's making some noise and being uh, difficult including this very tall four foot tall plant that all of a sudden is waving in the background so. yep
1: so he's found some interest there well in any event um You know, one of the things that I like to do, uh, first of all, is decide what gifts I like to give. I always give to the Salvation Army, for example, the bell ringers, when you come out of uh, Target sometimes, or you come out of Walmart. And I always put money in the kettle, but I always give a check as a gift as well. And um, when I was younger, I've told this story I think before, I happened to survive the largest tornado ever to hit the state of Massachusetts, which was in Worcester, Massachusetts, way back in 1953, a thoroughly terrifying event. But afterwards we lost all of our furniture and everything. We were semi-homeless for a while. We lived with my grandparents for a few months until we could resettle. And um basically i can remember distinctly that the red cross
2: and the salvation army were very helpful to us and you mentioned that several times every year um and it's kind of remarkable that you remember that because you know you were eight years old yeah i was actually nine you were nine but to remember that and that they were helpful to you at that age and remember it for your entire life means that they really made a big difference
1: Yep. Well, they're both terrific charities. They both have very low ratios when it comes to, a very high ratios, I guess, of the money that gets used to actually support the charities that they serve and the the people that they help. Um, I think the Salvation Army, for example, has like a 4% administrative cost, which means that supports their staff, but 96% of their revenue goes directly to helping people. Um, That's pretty remarkable. If you look up almost any other charity, they have a much higher percentage of the the revenue they collect that gets used for admin costs or administrative costs.
2: Well, there are a lot of you know charitable organizations that do a lot of good, but you know they also um, you know have a lot of um, people in management who are making quite a good salary if you really look into it. Yep. Well, they're terrific organizations. Um,
1: the uh, Anne Frank uh, once said, no one has ever become poor but from giving. And I think that's a, an important philosophy that I subscribe to.
2: I don't know about that. I mean, M.C. Hammer had that one big hit, and he gave almost all of his money away to friends and family and parties, and and he went bankrupt. Well, it sounds like he didn't
1: do anything for charitable gifts, though, doesn't it? Maybe he – I'm not sure who MC Hammer is. I've heard the name, but it's probably something that I wouldn't care to know more about.
2: No, it was a big hit back around 1988 or something. Well – Made a lot of money and then lost it all very quickly. (laughs) That
1: happens. Uh, Ben Carson, who ran for president once, uh, said, happiness doesn't result from what we get – but what we give. So let me ask you a question, Pete. If you give money or something or help or service to something or to somebody, if you help somebody, don't you always feel better about yourself when you've given something away, whether it's your time or your money?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if it's you know just a dollar that you have in your wallet. I don't usually carry a lot of cash on me. But as you said, you know, walking out of Shaw's and there's a, a Salvation Army bell ringer there, or a cheer team trying to raise money for a cheer competition little girls there with their parents you know yeah i do that too i think that's important to do so i give to
1: different organizations and try to help when i can i don't give away huge amounts of money because not too many people are in a position to do that but i'll give money to salvation army red cross and a lot of the local charities as well so we're going to talk a little bit about that and Let's talk, for example, about what does it mean when you give money away, can you deduct it? Well, the first rule of deduction is very simple. If you want to be able to claim a deduction, the entity that you give money to has to at least have a 501c3 designation, which is something from the IRS that says they are a true charitable organization. So if it's a 501c4 organization, for example, which is a a social organization, like some of the Masonic Lodges, for example, or 501c4 organizations. They're not true charitable organizations. You can't get a deduction if you give money to them. So it has to be a 501c3 organization, first of all. And a quick thing about gifts. So you think, well, if i to give something to a charity, can't I just deduct it? And the short answer is no. There are very, very specific IRS rules that pertain to that. There's a whole publication called IRS Publication 526 that goes into enormous detail about what you can give and what you can't give, and so forth.
2: The whole topic for today's show is basically about giving, whether it's to your family, whether it's to charities, and we're talking about it both in, you know, uh, on a year-to-year basis and how you can, you know, have some tax deductions on when you file your tax return, but also for, you know, maybe larger estates, how to. Leave um, more of a legacy, and you know, do some estate planning by you know possibly doing a charitable remainder trust or something like that. Well, here's the first very general rule that I would tell you that um,
1: only 15 percent of our population right now itemizes their deduction on on their income tax return because they don't have enough itemized deductions to make it worthwhile. So the IRS over the last few years has increased what's called the standard deduction, and 85% of the population will make out better by just claiming the standard deduction. So if you have enough itemized deductions, like taxes on your house or interest on your mortgage if you have a mortgage on your home, uh, things that you can deduct, certain medical expenses over a required percentage, if you have enough of those itemized deductions, you're gonna really do your taxes two ways. You're gonna check first of all to see what would it be if you claim the standard deduction? And then if you have some itemized deductions, would you make out better if you claim that? And you're gonna pick one which gives you the better tax deal.
2: Yeah, and I know that um, a lot of people started working from home um, you know, full time basically since COVID. And uh, that's sort of shifting and a lot of people are now having to go back into the office. But at least for a couple of years, um, you know, I know a lot of tax preparers were asking, you know, did you buy a desk for yourself? Did you buy a laptop for yourself? Are you using your cell phone more for work-related, um, you know, issues and, and calls? And maybe a lot more people were having more itemized deduction and not just using the standard deduction on their tax returns for the past couple of years. But, again, I think that's shifting again.
1: Well, a lot of people think that they can just claim a deduction, but you can't. For some brief periods of time you've been able to do that. There's also percentage limitation dependent upon the type of organization. So the rules are complicated, but if you have any questions about when can I deduct something, when can I not deduct something, you can call Peter or you can call me at 508-998-8858. So in 2022, Americans gave $499 billion, that's one half of a trillion dollars, away for philanthropy or for gifts. It's a slight decline from 2021. Um, Corporate giving in 2022 did increase, however, by about 3%. So the largest people, the largest group that gives money to charities is individuals, not corporations. So mostly it's individuals who do this. So what
2: happens at this time of year? Do you start getting a lot of notices in the mail? Yeah, it's always this time of year, yeah, and, and emails and, you know, uh, people looking for donations. And, again, it's sort of what I mentioned just a few minutes ago about donating to charities that are definitely, they have to be 501c3s um, this time of year, really any time of year of the year, but this time of year is when they push for it so you can get a tax deduction. right. Yep, and that's why we have Giving Tuesday
1: in November and so forth, and um, charities actually get most of their money during the last couple of months of the year because people want to claim a tax deduction if they're able to claim a tax deduction. But um, surprisingly, um, most of the really wealthy individual households in this country have not terribly increased the amount of gifting that they do. So, think about it, they just want to keep it. But I think giving is a good thing to do. Um, So, if you think about categories of giving, um, let's think about religion or human services or education or health. What category do you think people give most of their money to? Religion. Religion, yep. So, of all the charitable giving that's done in 2022, 27% went for religion, 14% for human services. Uh, and 10% for health, organizations like Red Cross, uh, for example, or the Salvation Army, or others. Well, enough for statistics. I wanted to give you some actual facts. Uh, Right after we take a short break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk some real specific information about when can you give and when can you deduct. So stay tuned, and we will be right back.
0: You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys hosted by Ray Lance and Pete Lance. If you have questions about retirement, call today. 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858 for a consultation or a second opinion on your current retirement plan. 508-998-8858. And now, back to Money Wise with the Money Guys.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking this morning about some of the charitable rules and why it's important to give to charities and how do you do it and when can you deduct it. So standard deductions right now, we talked about when is it smarter to be able to itemize your deductions. First of all, you have to have itemized deductions like mortgage interest and taxes are really the big one that most people use when they start to itemize deductions. but. The standard deduction is an alternative. So right now, if you're single in 2023, the standard deduction is 13,850. That's the amount of money you can subtract from your income. So if you're single and you've got itemized deductions that are greater than that, typically you're going to itemize. Married filing jointly is $27,700. So unless you've paid out that much money in interest and taxes on your house and charitable gifts you've made, Typically, you're going to be taking the uh, standard deduction instead. So not a lot of people can claim uh, charitable deductions uh, unless they itemize. But the rules are very specific on this. There are calculators. We can tell you how to get into one of the calculator. And let's see, I want to say something. The maximum amount you can claim as a charitable deduction is restricted. So, for example, you can deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income if it's a public charity, like the Community Foundation would be a public charity, for example. Um, and then, let's see, certain kinds of assets have restrictions, like, I'm trying to read this at the same time, uh, long-term appreciated stocks and property, if you want to deduct those items, Are generally deductible at their fair market value. So if you donate some stocks, uh, you know, fair market value, but you can only deduct up to 30% of your gross income, your adjusted gross income. So even within the charities that you donate to and the type of asset you give, there are differences. I don't expect anybody ever to remember this, but you know, we're happy to give you advice about it if you're thinking about doing. Uh, something uh, of those kinds of assets, stocks or real estate, for example. And
2: you can do that also inside of a donor advised fund. Um, So that's something to consider as well. The only difference um, from that versus a charitable remainder trust is that the CRT gives you an income stream, basically starting immediately. You're talking about a donor advised fund or charitable remainder trust?
1: Charitable remainder trust. Yep. We're going to talk about charitable remainder trust, too, because we're helping people right now, this week, this year, um, put together property into a charitable remainder trust to avoid capital gains when they go to sell real estate. So that can be very useful.
2: It has to be put into the CRT before you sell it, though. That's something that's important
1: to know. Yep. We're doing that. So let's come back to that in just a moment. Um, So... You need to know your tax brackets. We have a great chart that we're happy to provide to people. If you give us a call at 508 998 8858, it will show what tax bracket you're in, it'll show what minimum distribution
2: calculations would be, and so forth. Well, we also have that, um, that uh, tax chart that's like a um, really puts everything into what is it, two or three pages? Yes, And um, that's laminated, that's something that we have that we're happy to give to you as well, Uh, but you do have to call the office or send us an email, uh, 508-998-8858. We will be receiving new ones probably in about a month, maybe two months at most uh, for 2024.
1: Yeah, there's some interesting facts too that um, adults are more likely to give to charity if their parents also gave to charity. Um, I just think it's important to try to help a lot of people can't give money, but they'll volunteer for organizations, for example. And the estimate is that 30% of all U.S. adults um, volunteer their time in helping a nonprofit organization or church or some other organization that they want to help. Uh, donor-advised funds are uh, funds, there's a lot of them in this country, there's uh, about a million three of donor-advised fund accounts in 2021 that's another place where you can put money and we'll talk about that in just a moment you can donate individual stocks to charity also yes again but if you want to deduct it you have to be able to itemize your deduction so you need to maybe answer that question first and when you take the donation when you make the donation it's the fair market value of the stock at the time of the donation not the amount that you invested in the stock so, it's a way to get rid of capital gains that you won't have to report, for example. Right. Then the only other question is whether you can deduct it. Winston Churchill once said, We make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. So, one of the things that I'm hoping we can accomplish with the radio show today is to tell people it's better to give than to receive sometimes.
2: Well, I. I think that we're going to get into some other forms of giving as well, including um, I know that we have a whole packet on donating your life insurance to charity, or in some cases we've actually written a new life insurance policy strictly for someone who wants to give a lot um, and give their entire life insurance benefits to a certain charity. And we've, we've done that quite a bit as well. And by the way, as a quick side
1: note, I want to mention Mike, you get involved in this sometimes when you advise clients to give away property to children and to family members. Mm-hmm. That's not a gift to charity, is it?
3: No. <laughs> As we, you would mentioned before, in order for it to be uh, tax-deductible, it has to be an actual charity. <laughs> yep. Right? Well. So, um, but gifting to kids is bad for a lot of reasons.
2: <laughs> yes, well, sometimes it makes them dependent when you do that. Right. Well, but, that's one thing that we're always very cautious when we tell clients, you can give, or maybe it's a good idea to give, maybe, you know, have your estate get down below the uh, state tax threshold. But I always caution people, whether it's something I recommend or you recommend that or whether it's just something that the clients come to me and say they want to do, don't make it a, uh, a thing where it's, you know, a definite every single year in around December, you're going to be giving your kids $5,000, and they've come to rely on it. You need to let them know that, hey, this is a one-time thing, or maybe I'll do it when I can, but I have seen situations where children rely on it and it's been every year for the past 10 years all of a sudden this year the parents don't want to or they don't have the money to and the kids are like hey (laughs) i needed that so do you remember when you were a kid growing up pete remember that song at christmas time
1: i'm getting nothing for christmas Mm -hmm. absolutely (laughs) so just remember that one have it on my spotify list you do huh Well, let me just mention that we're going slightly off topic because we are talking primarily about charitable gifts today. But there's other reasons to give gifts to family members if you want to reduce your estate, so that you won't otherwise have to pay a Massachusetts estate tax. And so, what's the exemption amount from Massachusetts estate tax this year, Mike? Two million. Two million.
3: That's retroactive to um, January first.
1: Okay, so it's still not too late to think about reducing your estate, and that's done on an annual basis. So you'd have to give away some money this year and some money next year if you really wanted to reduce your estate value.
3: You also have to to be careful about what you give away. Okay. Uh, Capital gains tax reasons and maybe nursing home. Let's,
1: yeah, let's follow up on that. Yeah. So if you give away money and the person who's giving away the money has to go into a nursing home within five years, mm-hmm. sometimes those gifts have to be repaid right. in order to support the person who's in the nursing home because mm-hmm. otherwise it's a disqualifying gift or a disqualifying transfer. Interestingly, though, Massachusetts does not have a gift tax. So if you decide to give something away to a family member, let's say, or to a charity for that matter, there's no tax to be paid on that gift. Massachusetts has no gift tax. Yes, yeah, so we won't go into that because we'll go a little bit too far astray if we do. Let's continue and talk about, uh, we've talked a little bit about tax deduction rules. Let's talk about something called QCD. Do you know what a QCD is, Peter? Qualified, Qualified Charitable, Charitable Deduction. deduction. Yep. QCD is a Qualified Charitable That's Deduction. It's funny
2: because I literally just <laughs> pulled the chart out. Okay. I was just going to say that this is a chart that we have that we're happy to share with you as well. It talks about contributions you can deduct and contributions that you cannot deduct. Um, so not deductible as charitable contributions. Some examples would be civic leagues, social and sports clubs, labor unions, chambers of commerce. Um, some foreign organizations um, are qualified, but most are not. Uh, Groups that are run for personal profit. Groups whose purpose is to lobby for law changes, homeowners associations, individuals. Well, basically, it has to be a true charity that you're giving
1: stock to. And if you do, it's called a Qualified Charitable Deduction. And you can do that between now and year-end. It's a great, easy way to give to a charity. Um,
2: Now, this is one that I've never thought of before, and it's the very last item on this chart of not deductible as a charitable contribution. I never would have even thought of trying to deduct it, but now that I'm looking at it, I think that it should be uh, um, – I think it should qualify value of blood given to a blood bank. Hmm. Don't you think that that should be deductible and and a lot more people would donate if they could go once a month and (laughs) donate their blood, and there wouldn't be such a need for blood in this country? I guess I'd have to think about that one a
1: little further because some people actually sell their blood and they're short on money. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the age for a qualified charitable deduction from an IRA account. Um, I'm looking at an IRS publication which says that if you're at least 72, well, this year it's now age 73. So if you're at least 73 years of age or older, um, you can take money from your IRA uh... let's say it's going to be the money that would be your normal required minimum distribution and instead of taking it into your own bank account and you're going to pay income taxes on it because it's always going to be ordinary income what you do instead is you give it to a charity but it has to go directly from your IRA account to the charity it cannot pass through your own hands and um you want to do that for this year you need to do it fairly soon because we're getting near the end of the year so normally this would be a taxable deduction a taxable income to the recipient the, the person who owns the ira but when you give directly from the ira to the qualified charity it's tax free as long as it's paid directly from the ira to the charity we've had clients do that it's a really interesting thing to do uh, it means you have to report less income, but make sure you get receipts when you do it. Stay tuned. We're going to take another break and come right back and give you some more advice.
0: This is Money Wise Radio with Ray and Pete Lance, powered by the USA Wealth Group, helping clients define and plan for their retirement goals. To begin a retirement consultation, call 508-998-8858. That's 508 508- this is money wise radio so welcome
1: back ladies and gentlemen welcome back to money wise our topic today is talking about charitable giving you know i think it's a nice time of year when you can give money and put money in the salvation army kettles or write a check to your favorite charity or your church and get a good feeling because you're helping. You're helping to support the organization. You're helping to support other people that don't do as well. Uh, I think Girl Scout cookies are coming out again real soon. Mm -hmm. I always buy Girl Scout cookies and then I try not to eat them, bring them in the office as much as possible. So Muhammad Ali once said, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on Earth. It was a nice thought, wasn't it? Hmm. I mean, helping others is really important. You always feel better when you do. Pablo Picasso, the famous painter, said, The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away.
2: Muhammad Ali must have said that before the CTE. Kind of clicked in, kind of set in. All right, so explain to us what CTE is. Well, it's a big topic over the past, like, 10 years or so with football players. It's basically the damage that's done to your brain from getting hit in the head over and over and getting concussions. Oh, right,
1: yeah. Well, I have a a relative uh, in-law who's probably about 81, and he has CTE from playing hockey all his life. Mm -hmm. Not only as a kid, but in the Army, and then he played in adult leagues afterwards, and you really get banged up pretty badly Mm -hmm. uh, in hockey, football. And other sports as well.
2: No, it actually is um, more dangerous than football, and we're going way off topic. I apologize. Is soccer really? Yep, it's uh, heading the ball over and over again causes more CTE, more damage than than football. So why
1: don't they wear helmets? Uh, I don't know.
2: Can't I mean, imagine the European soccer teams ever allowing that. I don't
1: know. It would seem to be smart, wouldn't it? Well. Um, Let's continue in talking. We talked about donating uh, stock to charity a little bit. And um, if you donate stock to charity, as I said, whatever the fair market value is at the time of your donation, that's the amount that you can deduct if you are able to claim a deduction to the public charity.
2: Yeah, so it's a, a way to eliminate the capital gains tax.
1: Why don't we talk for a minute about life insurance, because you brought that up a moment ago, Pete. Let's talk about donating life insurance uh, to charity. Um, We have a whole handout on that, by the way, on how to donate your life insurance to charity. Uh, I've had clients actually do that. One of my most um, memorable events is I have a couple who were in the Brockton area, roughly, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's a great story to tell once again. The wife was a high school principal, and the husband that she was married to was a high school janitor. Interesting combination of, you know, different levels in education. But they had no children. They had no close relatives. They had about a $2 million estate, because children cost a lot of money over the the time. And... They had plenty of income to live on. They didn't really need to touch their investments. They had surplus income. And in addition to taking care of each other and their estate plan, everything else was gonna to go to their local high school. A million dollars was gonna be a scholarship fund and a million dollars was gonna support, um, I forgot, oh, a hockey rink. They yeah, wanted to build a uh, hockey rink. Yep,
2: yep. That was a um, good 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, but it was such a memorable case And I said to them, you've got surplus income. I said, how would you like to leave more to charities than the $2 million? And what we did is we took the surplus income and we bought them a $3 million life insurance policy using that money. And now they ended up leaving
2: $5 million to these two charities instead of $2 million. Talk about a legacy to the town. I mean, they'll have buildings or hockey rinks or whatever named after them for the rest of eternity. Well, most people think of life
1: insurance as something to do for your family, but you can also do it for charity, and you want to look at
2: different uh, life insurance policies. You can do quotations on that, right, Pete? It's very quick. It's very easy. Uh, Life insurance is a lot more complicated for us than it is for you listening at home. Uh, Really, everything can be done over the phone. To get a quote, it literally is me talking to you for about a minute, just getting height, weight, meds, and, and any known medical um, issues. And I can get quotes of any type, whether it's a term um, policy for 10 years, 20 years. Some policies are as much as 30 years. The term life insurance is much less expensive. Um, or whether it's you know a $2 million whole life policy. Either way, the, the process is the same, and it's very quick and easy. Uh, the underwriting is going to be different on um, the difference between a hundred thousand dollar 20-year term policy versus a million dollar whole life policy because they're going to want to go a little bit into medical records but again you don't have to be involved at all they contact your doctors and um, depending on the amount you may just have to have someone come to your home or your work to just to draw some blood and get your blood pressure and uh, other than that it's very simple again it's mostly me doing all the work on this end of things filling Mm -hmm. out a very lengthy application so it can be a permanent life insurance policy which means it's
1: never going to go away as long as you pay the premiums or it can be a term policy which is for a term of years term insurance is not necessarily the best is it pete because it's only for a very specific term And if you live longer than that, typically the policy is not going to last.
2: Right. It doesn't build up cash value, um, and it has its very specific need, uh, and I always recommend it for anyone with children at home um, to protect them if something suddenly were to happen to you, if you have a mortgage in the house to protect your spouse. Uh, So there's very specific needs for term policies, and and there's a a place for them for sure. Uh, One of the other things to mention is... Because we are an independent uh, advisor, we can get quotes from multiple companies, not just one company. Um, captive agents would only be able to get quotes from one company. We can get you know, a half a dozen at least and be more competitive.
1: Well, life insurance is a very important vehicle, isn't it? It's a good way to give money to charity. Sometimes I've used the analogy, let's say you have a local nonprofit organization that has a wealthy donor who gives a year to the charity. But then they die. The gift stops. Maybe they've made a bequest in their estate plan. Maybe they haven't. Maybe if they put part of that money into a life insurance policy, they've got a a further, larger benefit they could leave to the charity. Uh, So life insurance is good because it's a way to leverage your gift to a charity. You can increase it significantly. Um, Here's a quick example. If you had a 50-year-old man that could donate, um, let's say, a large sum of money, to, well, in this case, this example says $100,000 to his favorite charity, or he could put that money into a single premium whole life policy and name the charity as the beneficiary. When he dies, the charity will receive a check for $253,000 from the insurance company, and that's based on uh, the assumption that it's a 50-year-old person in average health. Um but leverage is the most important reason to think about life insurance. You can leave a larger
2: legacy, a larger gift to charity. And a tax-free one at that. Um, If you have had cancer in the past and you're in remission, if you've had a heart attack in the past, um, it's not out of the question to get you life insurance. Um, It's less common, but I have had situations where I've been able to do that for clients um, who went to many other places and tried to get life insurance and could not. And I was able to get them um, life insurance policies, you know, when they had cancer 10 years ago or a heart attack, you know, five, six years ago.
1: But if you have interest in any of these concepts that we're talking about, give a call to Mike or to Peter or to me at 508-998-8858. We'd be happy to Answer questions, would be happy to meet with you. would be happy to help you if you like some of these ideas. Um, why not make a difference to your favorite charity or to your church or your synagogue? There's just so many ways that you can multiply and increase the value of your wealth. You know, Mike, one of the things I know you do sometimes is you create something called an irrevocable life insurance trust, uh, you and the law firm. And that's done for a couple of reasons, and one of the reasons is just to reduce somebody's estate. Mm -hmm. So the value of the life insurance policy doesn't increase the value of their estate, but you do those sometimes, right?
3: Mm -hmm. We can do those. Um, Can involve a charity, I suppose, if you want to name a charity as a beneficiary of the trust. Mm -hmm. So that could be one thing that you do so that um, the trustee of the trust would get the proceeds of the life insurance policy and maybe hold it in trust for a beneficiary or make you know, decisions on where it goes.
1: The other thing you could do also is you could donate a life insurance policy. If you have an existing life insurance policy, and let's say it's fully paid up, uh, think about giving it to the charity or the church that you support. That's another way to make a difference with a life insurance policy. Um, But you can name a charity as the beneficiary of your life insurance policy. You could make them a partial owner. So let's say you've got distant relatives Well, maybe make them a 50% beneficiary in your life insurance, and make your favorite charity another 50% beneficiary. All kinds of ways you can do it. We're happy to uh, talk to you about that. If you get dividends from the life insurance policy, those can go to the charity. So, we're gonna come back uh, in about one more minute. I got one more minute to talk here. Here's some quick tips for deducting charitable contributions. You have to file a 1040 and you have to itemize deductions on Schedule A, number one. You have to keep a record. Uh, Any cash contribution that you make that's $250 or more, you've gotta have a bank record or some kind of a receipt. But you should always get receipts anyway for anything that you're contributing. And um, Peter, you mentioned earlier, we're gonna come back uh, and talk about charitable remainder trust. It's a a great, often overlooked vehicle that ought to be used because it saves people taxes. We just got a projection in the last couple of days from the company that we work with on how much more valuable it is gonna be for the family by setting up a charitable remainder trust. So when we come back, we're gonna talk about CRTs. We're gonna talk about the Community Foundation and how you could make a difference in your family and in your charity and in your community so please stay tuned we will be right back
0: this is money wise radio money wise is in many places if you missed a minute of the show or want to listen to past episodes of Money Wise, go online to USAWealthGroup.com and click on the radio page. That's USAWealthGroup.com.
1: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is our last segment this morning talking about charitable gifts. It's a complicated subject. It's a technical subject, but I'm hoping that maybe listening to the show today might give folks some incentive or uh further ideas about how they could be helpful to other organizations they belong to um put money in the collection plate if you go to church uh, participate in the annual funds and so forth and um we work with a company called Renaissance
2: they're out of Indianapolis Shorten their name to just Ren which is they've been using Renaissance for 30 plus years and all of a sudden it's just Ren yep Well, it's the modern age. So maybe we won't call you Pete anymore, we'll call you P. I think it's just people you know, in general in America getting more and more lazy and not wanting to say a three-syllable word. Well, maybe it's that, or maybe it's just trying to create a new
1: identity for themselves. They created a new logo as well. But they're one of the best companies in the country for doing charitable remainder trust analysis. So what is a charitable remainder trust, Mike? You've been involved in several of them, haven't you? Mm -hmm. I've been involved in a number of them. And we seem to manage to do uh, a number of these every single year. So here's what happens if you have property that you have held, like say real estate's the most common use. It has to first of all be property that you hold for investment. It can't be your residence, for example, but if you hold a, an income property and you're planning to sell it, and you realize that it's fully depreciated and your cost is gonna be down to zero, what happens when you sell it, Mike?
3: You're gonna have a big gain.
1: Big capital gains tax right. you're gonna to have to pay. Right. So sometimes people will choose instead to put it into a charitable remainder trust, or CRT as we call it for short. And how it works is very simple. We get um, a study prepared. It only takes like 24 to 48 hours to get a study done. And it'll tell you what happens to, uh, for taxation, if the person sells the property and pays capital gains tax, we plug in their, their tax bracket, and they'll come back and say, this is what it's gonna cost for taxes if you pay it, or if you put it into a charitable remainder trust, you're gonna save a lot of money and not have to pay all those capital gains tax. So what you do is you actually have a deed drawn, you transfer the title to your house, or title to the investment property, Maybe we qualify that, into the CRT, you get an immediate tax deduction. So we have to have the property appraised, and you get a tax deduction for the full value of the appraisal. Let's say it's $400,000, for example, and you don't pay capital gains on that, but you get a tax deduction because you've now donated it to the Charitable Remainder Trust, and guess what, you, you and your spouse can be the trustees of this trust, and then for a period of time, well let me do, sort of do this sequentially, the property then gets sold not by you as an individual, but it gets sold by the CRT. Um, they're gonna pay capital gains, but they're gonna pay capital gains over much longer term than you would. So the tax savings is gonna be uh, very beneficial. And you're gonna get income over, say, a 20-year span has to be a minimum of 5% a year. Sometimes it's more, depending upon your age. And you're gonna get a source of income, but you're not gonna be paying the same kind of taxes you would be if you had lost, uh, sold it, actually, up front. So it's a great way to save taxes if you're thinking about selling an income or investment property. And if you want more information, we we'll would be happy to show that to you. You get a very detailed report of cash flow, charitable deduction summary, um, we then, prepare the charitable remainder trust itself. Uh, That gets signed, and um, you save a lot of money.
3: Yeah, it could be done for a rental property.
1: Yeah, a rental property would be a good one that can be done for. It could be done for land, if you're selling a piece of land. I did it once for a garage property in New Bedford where the tax cost was gonna be about $80,000 to the person selling his little five or six garage property and we put it into a charitable remainder trust instead, and he didn't have to pay that $80,000 in tax up front. Mm -hmm. So.
3: you can name kids or a next generation as beneficiaries.
1: Yeah, you can do what's called a second tier beneficiary. So if you want it to be more than just your lifetime, you can extend it out a little bit further. There has to be a reasonable likelihood up front that there's gonna be about 10% left over for a charity of your choice but if the money gets consumed and used during your lifetime, because it's paid out, that's not necessarily going to be there for the charity at the ends.
3: And
2: that's the that's the language. It has to be reasonably likely.
3: Plus, there's an investment of the money, right? Exactly. Yep.
2: So. The money will um, typically, depending on what it's invested in, continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll often put it in something conservative like a fixed rate
1: or a fixed indexed annuity, so that it's principal protected. And then it will pay out a percentage of the total value of that fund every single year for at least a 20-year period and it could be longer if you want to name children or second-tier beneficiaries so it's a great thing to do if you want more information on that uh, give uh, Peter or me, a call at 508-998-8858. We'll be happy to give you more information, more advice.
2: This is a good little report that we're happy to share with you as well. Um, it summarizes all that we've talked about today into about four pages. It talks about um, charitable giving strategies almost everyone can use, and it talks about stocks, retirement assets, donor advised funds, which we mentioned briefly, uh, insurance, life insurance, Charitable remainder Trust, Charitable Lead Trust, and then it has a little summary. So we're happy to share that with you as well. Again, you have to give us a call, and it's a good time to mention also that whether you want to have a a conversation with Attorney Mike Coleman or my father or I, um, the initial consultation to meet with somebody at Lance Law is free. Uh, My father and I um, are happy to meet with you and don't charge for our time. Uh, You can do that with a phone call. You can do it with a Zoom meeting. And um, we're happy to help you set that up if you give our staff a call at 508 998 8858. So, Pete, have you ever heard of uh, matching gift programs?
1: Sometimes companies will have matching gift programs. Did you ever hear of that?
2: I have. Um, it's different um, than the like matching a 401k, and it's uh, sorry, just one second. Okay. Well, a matching gift program, not a lot of
1: companies do that, but do you know uh, why did the Mars matching gift program fail?
3: Mars isn't the planet?
1: Yeah, Mars isn't the planet. No, I don't. Wrong atmosphere. <laughs> so, in any event, let's continue along. And um, so, here's, here's another one for you, Pete. Why did the Beaver Company's matching gift test succeed?
2: What?
1: Why did the Beaver Company's matching gift uh, test program succeed? Because it was the best damn program. I don't know
2: what you're talking about right now. (laughs) It's joke time, Peter.
1: (laughs) All right. Those are bad jokes. Those are bad jokes. Actually, it's labeled um, non-profit jokes that are bad for good. (laughs) You just lost everyone. (laughs) Well, I have to do a lot of research on this, you know, when I do this. Let's talk about something local in our community, which is the um, South Coast Community Foundation. Um, A long time ago, I was one of the charter members of that organization, and uh, it's a nice organization. They do a lot of good. Primarily, they benefit local nonprofits in the area. So let's say that you don't have anybody to leave your money to when you do your estate plan. Why don't you consider naming the South Coast Community Foundation as your recipient of your estate? So, they have a nice uh, bequest program, and/or they have a place where you can just do gifts if you want to. They were founded in 1995. They serve the whole South Coast area, probably 20 different communities. And their first year in operation, they got one gift for $100,000. Uh, they invested lots of money and they continue to get gifts they currently manage 50 million dollars in charitable assets supporting more than 200 funds so sometimes if you're really not sure how you can make a difference think of naming the south coast community foundation as your beneficiary instead we can help you and show you how to do that they serve the entire bristol county uh, plymouth county dukes parts of norfolk county And they have a fairly new president and CEO, uh, Dr. Melanie Edwards-Tavars. She's got a 30-year career, uh, which also includes working at the Girl Scouts of of eastern Massachusetts. And two of the people in our office right now uh, had prior employment history with the Girl Scouts, including Shannon, who worked there, and Shannon knows this uh, CEO and president at the foundation and uh, my wife, Attorney Kenny Lance, also worked for the Girl Scouts for about 15 years. So, the Community Foundation is something that we all should support in whatever way we can, and...
3: What do they give to, if, if money is given to that organization, where does it ultimately
1: go? Well, first of all, it is a 501 c three organization, so you can deduct the contributions that you leave to them, or give to them, And secondly, they've got 200 local nonprofits in the whole area. So they don't give to individuals. They give to other nonprofits, and they make sure that uh, they're supported. And um, they've helped in emergency respond funds um, when there's a need in the area, you know, if there's a disaster and things of that nature. Great organization. We've actually had them on the radio show before. but it's a great model for somebody who doesn't have a specific beneficiary that they would like to give money to. Give it to the community foundation, and it's gonna benefit a whole lot of nonprofits in the area.
2: Well, that's one of the reasons to consider a donor advised fund also, is because you can you know, earmark that money to a charity, but you don't actually have to name the charity yet, so you can let the assets continue to grow until you decide where it's gonna go.
1: Right, they also have something called the giving account, and you can uh, donate cash or stocks or private business interests and more. Uh, Give us a call at 508-998-8858 and we'd be happy to give you more information or send you some information or refer you to the people that will help you. We thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Mike, for being here. Thank you, Pete, for being here. Um, This is a tough subject to talk about always because the rules are technical, but I'd like to close today by basically saying do something to support your local church your charity this is a time of year especially when it's really important to remember that not everybody is as well off as you are it's good to be altruistic but it can also benefit you to do so our show is intended for informational purposes only with not intended to be your sole source of information for financial decisions which is why you should always make an appointment if you wish to come see us And we don't give tax or legal advice on the radio, but we're happy to help you. Thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to being with you again next week
4: on the radio. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investment advisory products and services made available through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business, USA Wealth Group Incorporated. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is also an investment advisory practice that offers products and services through AE Wealth Management LLC, AEWM, a registered investment advisor. AEWM does not offer insurance products. The insurance products offered by USA Wealth Group Incorporated are not subject to investment advisor requirements. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by USA Wealth Group Incorporated. This radio show is a paid placement.